0: Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter, and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at BloodyElbow, Facebook at Facebook.com BloodyElbowBlog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome
0: back to the Sixth Round
1: Post-Fight Show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, come to y'all just from the end here of UFC Vegas 78 at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, where... Vicente Luque had a decent return to form, beating RDA, uh, former champ RDA, up at welterweight. Not a bad fight, not a bad performance for Luque, not a bad performance for RDA either, all things considered. He's never looked great at welterweight, and he's almost 40, so, sure. you know.
2: it. Uh, you know, it kind of... Um... Well, first of all, Vicente Luque just RDA'd RDA.
1: He did. He absolutely did.
2: But I I think you made the point there that if there was anyone that would benefit from a 165 weight class, it's RDA. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's never been... Even when he was doing all right and winning fights at 170, it was never a thing where you watched RDA up there and we're like oh man i love the way rda looks at welterweight he always looks like a smaller less effective less interesting version of himself that that mag or that win over robbie lawler a thoroughly shot robbie lawler was like shining moment although it's weird to say that that lawler was thoroughly shot then when he just retired yesterday and that fight was in 2017 retired on a win we're tired on a win or tired on a great win, yeah, yeah. But you know the fights with Matt, with like Tarek Safadine, that was an ugly fight. The you know the Paul Felder, fight. well, Paul Felder fight was back at
2: lightweight, I guess. But it's just they the never Michael, the Michael Chiesa fight.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, yeah. He... Welterweight was never RDA's weight class. So for me going into this, my my thought was like, man. Vicente Luque hasn't looked great lately. I guess I'll pick RDA because Vicente Luque hasn't looked great lately, even aside from the brain bleed scare, which I kind of thought he might might be fine. One of those things that's like weirdly fine. You would hate to think that that would be fine, but like, you know.
2: That's so, that's so far above my pay grade. I just I don't know anything about brain bleeds. I, yeah. You know, it, it sounds horrific. And it it makes me concerned for his health. So every it, it, time he got cracked, I was like,
1: yeah, "Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, boxers die from it on the semi regular. It is like the the thing that when a boxer dies in the ring, a brain brain bleed is like nine times out of ten that's why. But it's not like we had a great way to diagnose those for centuries, for uh, you know, decades at least." So it's one of the things where people were dying from it regularly because it, were, it was also just happening all the time. And if it's happening all the time, a bunch of people are getting it and recovering and then going right back to competing, and we never knew. Mm-hmm. So for Luke, for me, it's just like, well, if Luke, if this happened and they got treated and he sat out and people cleared him, it's probably fine. It sounds terrible, but it's probably he's probably going to look okay, and he looked okay.
2: You know, he looked fine. I thought he so. looked great yeah he looked great i I thought he looked more than okay his yeah his anti the way he he was shutting down the grappling of rda yeah i mean he had the correct answers for everything
1: he really did
2: everything everything rda tried or attempted luke was able to defeat and the size discrepancy yeah of course that's going to play a factor Mm -hmm. you know but it it just is what it is so credit to luke he did all the right things to to get a clean win here and RDA RDA.
1: Yeah, he he when he was going forward, when he was pressuring, when he was getting the takedowns, RDA still looked like RDA. He did RDA things. He had some, you know, he had some great moments. He had a couple decent rounds. The fight there was a lot of this fight that was just really slow and sticky. But uh, Luke landed the better shots for most of the rounds. Like I said, I gave him the first two and the fourth. I think the, the round one, if there was going to be controversy for this scorecard, round one would have been the swing round. I gave I that
2: had, to RDA round one. Yeah,
1: I gave I gave RDA three and five. So uh, I could have seen how you could have a split decision. RDA win one three and five. I gave I gave Luke a one and two and and four. So
2: yeah, I mean RDA was there every step of the fu- uh, every step of the way. I mean he fought yeah. tremendously hard. He just got outplayed. Yep. Out-hustled.
1: It was a a solid, decent fight. Not a thrilling main event, but, you know, for Luke it was the bounce back he clearly badly needed if he's going to be remaining as a top 15 welterweight, and they're going to throw him back in there with somebody really in the mix at welterweight now, and we'll see what happens out of it.
2: You got uh, Ian Gary and Neil Magny, they're fighting. So maybe winner yeah. of that, Stephen You Thompson. know Gary,
1: if he wins that, he wants he he's going to want that fight.
2: Uh, um rematch nice. with Stephen Thompson. Could do it. It's do been it a while. It. It's been a yeah. while. And the Thompson, Thompson needs, needs he, he needs a fight now
1: because he he didn't get paid for
2: that Pereira fight. Yeah, that's insane. That's sad. It's like yeah, it's like the classic case of like the nice guy getting screwed over and just eating it, you know?
1: Yeah, he really. I mean, I feel bad for him mostly just because he was so certain at the beginning of all that he was just like, "I am gonna teach Michelle Pareda a lesson. I'm gonna show everybody what happens when you miss weight. I'm gonna not fight. I'm gonna stand on principle. Maybe other people will." Think twice about missing weight if I stand on principle and say, no, 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 you miss weight, we don't fight. And now who's the lesson that got taught? It's Stephen Thompson.
2: Right. Well, he he should have known the lesson, which is the show must go on. Yeah, like, This is yeah. showbiz. This is entertainment.
1: Yeah. And the, mean, the UFC, they have, I mean, Dana White likes to pretend that he used to be a fighter, but he does he does he likes to talk like he used to fight but he never did and his attitude is purely of somebody that never used to compete he thinks the fighters like oh all the job is on the night you show up you get paid for showing up that's when work begins you don't show up for work of course you don't get paid
2: actually i talked about the karate combat Uh, president adam Kovacs about this because he's a world champion karateka and now he's the the, he's the guy running guys who are doing what he's he's trained Mm -hmm. his whole life to do so he has a better understanding of what those fighters go through especially when it comes to weight cuts making weight fight week and the, the stressors surrounding that yeah man that's fucked that's so fucked
1: it is I'm not but, saying
2: I'm not saying Steven Thompson should have been getting his entire uh show money because that is a pretty penny, but at least cover his expenses to get him there. Admittedly. They are gonna
1: cover his expenses, actually.
2: Oh, okay. Well, at minimum they they yeah. you know.
1: But anyway. Uh I mean we could there is also uh you know, Shavkat Rachmanov is out there too, and uh, you 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 know, just saying that <laughs> it, it feels wrong, doesn't it?
2: It does, it does. But uh, you know, why not? It'd be exciting, I think. Yeah. So he's gonna be Luke
1: off a of win. He's gonna be right in there. I do think, like Neil may or Ian Ian Gary has a fight in one week he is he's he's fighting uh neil, neil magny. magny yeah i if he wins that fight and i think he's very likely to then if, you know if you're ian gary you're looking at vicente Luque right away you know I you're, you're also looking at Stephen thompson but you're looking at those names like these are oh, guys yeah. that these are guys i believe i can beat you know
2: yeah uh and they'd be fun as fuck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I would I would absolutely watch Vicente Luque versus Ian Gary.
2: So and even, right. even Wonder Boy. And what's sure. crazy is like they're all just like solid dudes. Mm-hmm. They're they're all this this should be like the uh the nicest MF uh tournament right here.
1: There I you think, go. I
2: think we're on to something.
1: Yeah. You just have to figure out how to keep Colby
2: Covington out of it, right? He's banned from it. He's that ship has sailed, my man. All right, all right. Uh,
1: featherweight bout before that Cub Swanson, Hakeem Dewadu, the controversy of the night. Now, I could I scored the fight for Dewadu because I didn't think that Cub Swanson's takedowns in round three were big enough or meaningful enough or generated enough offense. He got a back take out of one of them. But even that he got reversed right at the end. Uh I didn't think it was meaningful enough to outweigh the the better damage, the more consistent striking, the the cleaner shots that Dewadu was landing for round three. And I thought round one that was a clear Dewadu round. Everybody thought that was a clear Dewadu round. But I could see the argument round two Duwadu was doing great work, got rocked right at the end of it. That is the most meaningful thing that happened in that round. To me, if I'm scoring a fight, I want to see, like, you got rocked, you got hurt, you're on rubber legs in a in a round that was otherwise, hey, you know, you were doing fine, you were doing good work, but nobody else got hurt like that. I got to say that that, like, you're losing that fight. If that five minutes is a fight, you lost
2: it yeah i think a lot of Dewadu's work in that second round was in the clinch and a lot of just really nasty knees to the body that were landing they were scoring but if you're sitting cage side i can it's real hard to miss a lot of those strikes so when you have the end of the second you see some separation and a flurry and you see a little bit of a wobble because of a, a heavy punch that Cub Swanson lands, I can definitely see how you can give that second round to Cub Swanson. Yeah,
1: so, and I could see how a judge would say, oh, well, round three was kind of close, and Swanson got those positional advantages at the end. I can see some old scoring criteria. Honestly, that...
2: I gave the third to Cub Swanson.
1: See, And so I can see how that could
2: happen, too. I and that see back take was slick as fuck. It I was
1: slick. It was great. So rounds two and three, I could, I was scoring live. I'm scoring this for Wadu but i could see like oh there's an argument cubs Swanson could win this fight it's a thin argument but yeah. i can see it the argument that cubs Swanson just won 1 and 3 that just doesn't that doesn't gel for me
2: now he got his nose busted in that open round yeah That's and it damage just,
1: and it and it just felt like Dewadu was landing the cleaner shots, he was landing the smoother combinations. He had a little bit of a volume edge. I mean he, the stats are telling me it was yeah, he had a decent volume edge. 29 23 it wasn't big, but you could see it watching it in the cage. You're like, oh yeah, he landed more yeah. shots. They were
2: in every round. He landed more shots in every round. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so it just seemed like okay, the, you know, DeWadu round 1, it's not that hard to score. Dewatu round three, it's a little. There's a conversation there. Yeah, and round two, there's a conversation there. But uh, yeah, round one and round three, it just doesn't. It, that's a weird score for me. That's a it's, weird.
2: It's a much easier. It, this it's much easier to argue that Dewatu won this fight. Than yes, Cub Swanson won this fight. It is. I'll say that, but I'll also say, for you know, overall, Hakim Dewatu. I mean he is he is super polished. I mean just yep. defensively responsible, fundamentally sound, but I think his issue is he he tends to fight to the level of his opposition. Like he has all the tools in the world. I mean every technique you could ever want, he has them yeah. all. Like he has mm-hmm. them all. But he will he only it, it's weird. There's it, there's no one at the video game controller. You know what I mean? Yeah, they I mean, how I, Mighty Mouse had had Matt Hume, and
1: I think a big part of it is that I was not, that I've been noticing is that I don't think he has. I, I think a lot of the the tech, the confidence he projects, the mean mugging, the you know stoic sort ofness that he shows off. It's a lot of it is projection. It's him trying to keep people away from him with how smooth and how slick he is. And when he actually sits down on stuff, like when he had to sit down and just like go hammer and tongs with Cub,
2: yeah, fell you apart.
1: can see he gets a little shaken up. His technique, fly, his technique falls apart. His defense falls apart. He's not comfortable. He's tense. He gets hurt more easily there. And he knows he gets hurt more easily there, so he doesn't like to do it. And what that means is that he puts out a lot of volume, but he doesn't sit down on a lot of stuff because he knows he doesn't want to be right there to get hit. So there's a lot of volume out there that, you know, it, it doesn't feel, I think judges just don't weigh it that heavily because they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you, you threw the shot and then you jump back out of range and your opponent didn't really seem like it hurt them that much. And they kept coming forward or they kept trying to exchange with you and yeah, it's nice that you get that slapping head kick on the end of the combo, but your opponent sat down on two big shots in the, in the pocket, too, that we liked more. And he just, he has the technique, he has the volume, but without the confidence to sit down and really put power on shots, he doesn't tend to find a lot of favoritism with the judge. It's a little like how Bobby Green used to be. Mm-hmm. when he would lose all those split decisions and you're like oh man but you look so slick out there honestly like,
2: uh george bosvidal also yeah he his earlier career was yeah. riddled with losing split decisions that were close just because he wasn't pulling the trigger as often as he should have been
1: yeah and for Dawadu, i mean he pulls the trigger a lot it's just he doesn't sit down in the pocket on a lot of stuff and I but it, but
2: it, yeah, it's it's it has to be the confidence. Yeah, because he has the tools. Like he you have the tools. You give yeah. those tools to like a Mike Perry, and holy shit, dude! Sure, you have like a Mike Tyson level fucking monster. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Like he just doesn't have that. That he's not mean. No, his fighting style is not mean.
1: It is not. It yeah, is a he, very good volume mean, point style. His techniques
2: yeah. are mean. I bet his pad work is ridiculous. Oh yeah. But yeah, man, yeah,
1: it's just- it's rough. You're he's had like I was. We were looking at this for the vivisection, breaking it down. This is probably this is one of the only fights he's lost where like the striking numbers or he he. This is one of the only strikes times he's he's had. Well, I, um, never mind. My point was every fight Hakeem Wadu has had in the octagon, other than the the like real blowout losses he has outstruck his opposition two to one, like literally a hundred landed for 50 received. And half the wins he's had in the UFC, if not more have been split decisions. So like he has had multiple fights where he has doubled up on opponents and judges have still been like, eh, I don't know. Maybe the (laughs) other guy won it. That's insane. You know, it's this is this is it had you know, this is what had to happen sooner or later. He he had a fight where he outstruck his opponent, and that split it, or that decision isn't going with them. They're just they're just not that convinced by what he's doing.
2: It's wild. Really it is. What did he do?
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Something in a past life. That's all karmic. That's got to be like a a generational karma thing that he's pulling down there.
2: Man you ever seen that um that movie get out mm-hmm. solid movie um but man it's like if someone can just get themselves into H- hakeem de go <laughs> I- i'm so serious man I know, he i know he is world world-class elite it, man it's such a it's such a weird case like it is who Who's that elite, but like not? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a weird case. And it's good. This, you know, maybe this maybe this loss will will stick with him more than the no, others.
2: No, 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 no. This has been his whole career since he was in the World Series of Fighting. Nothing has changed.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that like, you know, Danny Henry went out in club and subbed him. Mozar evloev ran him over for two rounds before DeWadu could like find his flow late in the fight. And then Julian Arosa just took it to him hammer and tongs. Like none of the losses that DeWadu had before he could really deny. They were just like, oh, this guy beat me at a game that I, you know, they they beat me in a way that I couldn't handle. But like Cubs want like this is this is the you know, this is the Zubair-Tukukov split win, the Julio Arce split win, the Kyle Bokniak split win coming back to haunt him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where it's like, no, you, you have a style that judges haven't been liking for a long time. And you should also know that. You should know that even if somebody does, even if you are getting your exact fight you want, you might still lose these fights.
2: Yeah. So. Tough shit, man. It's yeah. It sucks. He's got the tools. He does. Lacks the confidence.
1: All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Khalil Roundtree, Chris Daukas, and uh,
2: <laughs> I mean... Who didn't see this coming?
1: Yeah, I feel bad saying that. I'm just going to be like, the fight we could all see, see coming a mile away. I hate seeing light heavyweights drop to light heavyweight. I always feel like it's a doom. It's just like the the the, the death knell of like...
2: I don't know. I think we've seen, there's success cases out there. Jared Cannonier, one of the better examples. Tanner Bowser sure. recently, he's dropped he, down.
1: Yeah. He, he failed hard the first time though.
2: Yeah, but he, he, yeah, he I know he, it's, he it's true.
1: You can do it. I just, I always have severe reservations for it. Always. And as I feel bad saying, Oh, who couldn't see this game? Because Docus came out there and he looked fast.
2: Get the fuck out of here! He looked foot slow as hell compared to Foot slow,
1: yes, but his hands were still fast. Like he was cracking him. He was landing good shots right at the gate. But it's just he tried. He tried for sure. He landed some good shots, but it's that thing that this is always why it's my concern. Is that you know guys like Doukas. They're used to being so much faster than their opposition that that's like the, their ace in the hole that they can keep banking on. And you get down here and like, yeah, you're still your hand's still fast, but Roundtree is gonna just keep pace with you the whole time. Like, you you are not gonna have that edge. You you can you can fire some good shots, but so can everybody else out right there.
2: So yeah, two of five is the land of the athlete. Yeah, and that ain't. <laughs> Khalil yeah. Roundtree is a far superior athlete. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, I said, you know, who didn't see this coming? But, like, the UFC booked this. This is three guys come, a guy coming off of three wins versus a guy coming off of three losses. Three like, knockout losses. Like, like, how did this even get booked? This Why? is one of those, those
1: cruel, like, I think this is one of those, like, cruel moments of we're going to cut you. Unless you want to try like a new division, you know, yeah, you lost three in a row. Do you have an idea for a reason we should keep you around? And Dakas is like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I, 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 I got to try some, you know, try me at light heavyweight. Let's see what happens. Yeah, but. Maybe. He and he and his brother are gonna be. They can hold it down together now. Back back on CFFC.
2: But like, if of all the possible matchups, you pick Khalil Roundtree, that sounds yeah. like a, that sounds like a grudge. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want out of your contract? You don't want to resign? Okay, you got Khalil. Oh, Roundtree. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure he he wanted to resign. It's more like, oh, you want another fight in the UFC? We got another fight for you. Somebody needs to fight Khalil Roundtree. You know. It's more that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, too, you got to look at the, you know, light heavyweight, too. It's just like, okay, well, if not Roundtree, what, Alonzo Menafield, Azmat Merzikhanov, Ryan Spahn, Volkan Ustamir, all Ustamir, these dudes.
2: Ustamir probably would have been good. Well, it doesn't matter because he's not he, – is he top 15 at light heavyweight? Ustamir, yeah, he's No, he's no, no, not. no. I'm talking about Dacus he's he's top 15 at heavyweight. Right, but is is he 205 top 15?
1: Well, now he's not certainly. This was his chance to
2: Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't appear to be that or nor will it ever, right? Like it doesn't Yeah. He's not that's not happening. But you know who you know the fight to make now, right? For Chris Daukas? No, for Khalil Roundtree. <laughs> no, let's fight for the Khalil the, Roundtree. the the Chris Daukas fight is in the PFL next. What are you talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Khalil Roundtree, man, Nikita Krylov.
1: I was, yep. Come I on. wrote up my fights to make. It's right. He wants. He wants a headliner. He wants a fight night headliner. I'm looking at the cards. Here. I'm looking at what's out there. And Nikita Krylov versus Khalil Roundtree. I'd. I'd watch that as a fight night headliner. That that sounds like a ton of fun. I don't think Khalil Roundtree wins it, but I like it. I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I think it's a ton of fun. I, the only other the other answer I could see out there would be, uh, you know, the winner of Anthony Smith Ryan Spahn. But the thing is, too, I, both those guys having climbed all the way up to the top of the division before. I'm sure both of them would look at the idea of like, oh, I, w- I won that fight. I'm not fighting Khalil Roundtree. I want a top five title contender fight, you know. They, bo- they both have that a- that affect that they're not about to win a- win a fight and settle for fighting down in the rankings.
2: Especially Khalil Roundtree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've got specific grudge against each other to settle, which is why they're having this fight. But otherwise, Anthony Smith is the kind of dude that thinks he should be he should be one fight from the title all times.
2: He was one yeah. decision away from being world champion. Remember that? Yeah. He, all yeah. he had to do was say, I'm done.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. All
2: right. All right. Oh wait, right, that reminds me. Go check out my interview with Sean O'Malley. There you go. Speaking of Potential future world champions. Yeah, he talks about. Uh, being willing to uh, win an Oscar for best actor to take the bell from Algia. Yeah. If, if an illegal strike lands. Hey. Unlike Anthony Smith.
1: Yeah. But very much like Algemene Sterling.
2: Very much so. Yeah.
1: You got to learn from the best to be the best.
2: Wouldn't that be ironic, though?
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness.
2: Be,
1: that would be deeply ironic. All right. That brings us to a woman's straw strawweight bout: Yasmin Lucindo, Pollyanna Viana. Not the best fight, but when Lucindo finally like got it to somewhere good, she really turned it on.
2: Yeah, it, it almost seemed like uh, once she realized that Viana wasn't going to do shit with, on the ground against her, I yeah. think she got she got a feel. It was like she has yeah. she, she has nothing for me on the ground. Like she messed up trying to grapple with me because now I know I got her. And then from there on out, it was the game plan switched. Yeah. It went from I'm gonna bomb on you to I'm gonna take you down and impose my will. And she did just that. Excellent pressure on the ground. I mean, she stayed on her and waited for opportunity, found the arm triangle and finished it.
1: Yep. Great pass, great sub. Good, you know, once she started turning it on on Luc- on Viana in the second round, looked quite, looked really solid. She's one of those fighters, like, she needs to get out of that reactive stage where she fights her best when somebody else is bringing the fight to her. You know, you can even see, like, you know, Viana is, like, not doing much in round two. So Lucinda comes out and, like, cracks her. And then like, hell, I'll go for a spinning back fist. It's like, you've already got her. What do you do? No. Just, like. You just need to sit down and push forward and throw some combos. You don't, that spin needs to be taken. Your coach needs to like put a rubber band around your legs in the cage and force you to only throw strikes where you can't spin. Like just hold one (laughs) leg, tie one ankle down so she can't spin at all. (laughs) You know, it's just like work on, figure out how to fight for five whole minutes without throwing one spinning back fist, please. She threw like five of
2: them in that fight. I understand. They're fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: No,
1: they are.
2: They are. But they don't land. So,
1: anyway. Good win when all said and done. Good win. Solid performance. AJ Dobson, Tafan and Chukwe, uh, Really just kind of want to forget this fight.
2: Yeah. Definitely a stinker, especially yeah. compared to the other fights on this card. Yeah. Just not not a very good fight. No. Enchukuo uh, came out and came out rather strong, landed really heavy kicks. Um, but Dobson was able to stay safe, stay at range, start landing just pitter patter and ended up getting on top, grinding away a decision win. Yeah, fun. Not a fun fight at all.
1: One, one of those things where when Chiku was being really unpredictable, when he was like jabbing the body and landing up top and going to the legs and all this, he looked great. But mean, the moment
2: you he, mean when he was fresh?
1: Yeah, the moment he stopped attacking all levels, like what's it? What's his reach? It, it can't be. It says it's seventy-seven inches. That feels very generous. He seems like he's got real short arms. I don't know. But whenever he's st- because when it, when he stopped and became predictable, Dobson just all he had left to fall back on was the kicking game. And and Chukwee or and you know, Dobson could slip the punches, catch the kicks. It was a pretty predictable one note. And once he started doing that, and Chukwe's game just kind of fell apart. So
2: And he missed missed weight by a lot for this, also.
1: He did. He did.
2: Pretty bad fight for him,
1: all all things considered. I would not be surprised if it's his last in the UFC
2: for a while. Yeah, that's three bad losses. I mean, this wasn't a terrible, terrible loss, but it was was an ugly fight. Yeah, he he missed weight. He didn't look good at all. And he missed, yeah. Oof. Yeah. No bueno. Should we even bring up Lloyd Irvin? Nah, uh, moving on. Moving yeah, moving on. on.
1: Catchweight bout, Josh Fram, Jamie Pickett. Another terrible fight. Feel bad for Pickett because he looked more psyched up for this fight than I've ever seen him look before in the cage. He is the like anti-confidence fighter out there. And he still just got ground on by Josh Fremd. And he still just ended up looking like he was having a horrible time. And looking like he he just seems like a dude who doesn't like to fight and it's really weird watching him being like why are you doing this like this is the most unhealthy thing to do that you hate like at least people who are doing drugs like drugs you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know i don't i mean it's it's almost like a sparring partner syndrome or something like yeah i don't know man a full a full-on journeyman yeah it's rare to see a full-on journeyman in the ufc in this day and age yeah that's not not some like late replacement or short notice fill-in yeah he's 13 and 10 now yeah what is this the worst record in the ufc <sighs> or no oh. well we got someone three and three juliana miller she to yeah tonight i don't know if that's worse
1: yeah, at least that feels like young in their career, so you didn't know what you were getting when you signed them up.
2: And a lot of her, a lot of her wins were exhibitions, so they didn't count on her record.
1: Yeah, but like, I'm Jamie Pickett pick went through Contender Series three times, and this and they sign
2: everybody. This isn't like a, a Mark Hunt thirteen and ten, you know. What I mean? No, this is like,
1: mm. yeah, it, it. I don't. If Pickett's still around after this, I will be shocked. And for Fremd, like, man, for a dude, like, they were talking about it, and they're like, oh, he's 6'4". He's got a huge frame for middleweight. And I'm looking at him like, he does? He is? Yeah, I guess so. But, like, he doesn't fight like a big guy. He doesn't act like a big guy or look like a big guy. He doesn't seem strong or
2: anything his, like that at there. What's his specialty? I
1: think it's just being big and like you had a really scrambly fight with uh hernandez so there you go
2: so like if you got him out there what else are they gonna say yeah (laughs) yeah
1: i mean but it's just weird because like he's he is apparently quite big but i look at him he doesn't fight like he has any size advantage you know
2: right but it's it's like when you you gotta you gotta say something.
1: No, I know it's
2: true. It's true. You know it's not like he has this deep tool shed of 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 skills. You could be like, oh, he's no. great at this or that or whatever. Yeah. Um. This fight sucked. It did. Really it really bad. sucked. So we should um, and, move on. Well, hold on. What sucked even more than this fight at the same time is my ESPN Plus stream uh, died. It just completely crapped out on me during uh, the first round of this fight. So you and didn't it, even have to watch it. well i i have other ways
1: you You found a way i I can't i feel so bad for you though having to pirate this fight i know man (laughs) that's like that is like that is like signing up for scrambled porn you know like, yeah. oh, I, let, let me pay to get the the really, like, I can't, is that a boob? I don't know. What am I watching here?
2: Or it's like, like the old remote control trick for the old cable. You know, yeah. channel 69, you can get yeah. it. Maybe sometimes if you keep pushing the two buttons at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: that, that sucks.
2: No, but, like, it went out, and it didn't come back in until the main oh. event. Yeah. So that sucks. So yeah, the whole the whole fight I had to watch. Didn't didn't happen for me. Well weirdly.
1: I I got lucky, I guess. I I I did I had to watch it all live. Well it it must uh,
2: be it must be your fantastic relationship with the UFC. Yeah,
1: no, I think that's what it is. It's gotta be. I get I get Christmas cards from Dana. Mm
2: -hmm. And they uh, have dog shit
1: in them, but you know Mick Maynard. Oh yeah. No, Mick loves me. (laughs) we talk all the time all right
2: but i think a lot of people had the same issue though they did no i was hearing about it so it was not espn plus damn you want me to renew next month too and that's the thing it's like a hundred bucks or something for a year
1: all right let's let's talk about marcus mcgee jp bays
2: and Well, let's get into the fun part of the night, right? Yeah. Damn damn this main card. Damn this main card.
1: Let's get back to all these first round finishes. Those were really cool. The UFC booked a bunch of squash matches, and they all ended up being squash matches. And Marcus McGee versus J.P. Bays was just absolutely so clearly one of those where, like... You look at J.P. Bay, you watch his fight, you're like, man, this dude does not have the chin to fight at this level. And you look at Marcus McGee, and you're like, man, this dude is a ball of muscle. He doesn't do anything that that well, but he hits really damn hard. And what was, what was supposed to happen in this fight? I mean feel bad because they spent the whole time talking about like, well, J.P. Basey's going back up to Bantamweight. He's like, my chin's bad at flyweight, but it's good at Bantamweight. I don't get stopped here. And we're all just looking at each other going, this isn't, this isn't going to be the fight for you, man. This is not going to be that kind of... This ain't that kind of party, you know?
2: Nah, this is... Uh, this was one-way traffic, man. This yeah. Was, this was... Ah... Uh almost uncomfortable right i don't yeah. think i don't was this a flawless victory
1: pretty close i mean
2: bays i don't think Bayes hit him once did he
1: let's see what what do our stats say it
2: couldn't have been more than three times he was just doing like this weird fadeaway shoulder roll thing and getting fucking clocked
1: bays apparently is credited with landing four strikes of 30 thrown
2: <laughs> yeah that's
1: and oh, mcgee landed seven of 13 so <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were seven hard strikes though
1: yeah i mean he only had to throw 13 of them total like it was a lot of noise coming back on one end and then just a few perfectly placed power shots coming back in return
2: man that right yeah. hand landed so flush as bays was throwing his jab and it's yeah. like a soft jab uh, and against just a monstrous hook, and then the left hook followed up and kind of actually hit the back of the head of Baze. Yeah, like, well, not his. Not saying the intention yeah. or anything like that. It just it just happened. But uh, I'm I'm pretty glad that um, McGee stopped his own fight here. That was yeah, like no a kidding. Classy move, and it makes well, it so I, much more cool.
1: I love the, the what he said too afterward, where yeah. you know he said like. I knew, you know, I knew if he got back up, I'd just get him again. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm being patient. I'm being clinical out here. He stands back up. I, I, I'll just put him right back down. I don't need to follow him down there. And I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> he looked great, you know. He, he looks – if his skill set gets a little deeper, he rounds his game out, you know, shows a little bit more combination striking, stuff like that. He's got the physicality to be a top top 10 fighter in this division.
2: He's 33, so he's got to make moves now.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. We'll see.
2: He's, uh, he's training with Sean O'Malley.
1: Yeah. He's, he's got the training camp, the MMA lab. That's a great camp. He's got the physicality. He got a late start. We'll see how it all clicks together. But, you know, you can't you can't do it without the physical tools, and he's got the physical tools. So that brings us to a lightweight bout, Terrence McKinney, Mike Breeden, and
2: uh oof, target
0: practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where I was like, man, I don't like Terrence McKinney running right back to a fight. He's got so much to work on. The reasons he loses aren't getting fixed. But I can't see him losing a fight to Mike Breeden. So.
2: Right. Even even not. Not only that, but I don't even. There's no way Mike Breeden's surviving this.
1: Exactly. It's just. Yeah. Breeden is. For a lightweight, he is really slow. He's been known to be durable. He's been known to be tricky. He's been known to like be the kind of dude who gets you know styled on and comes back. But Terrence McKinney is one of those like the reason people talk about. It, and you know, I I even I'm like, oh my god, Terrence just like take a take six months and just work in the gym. Is because he has, he has the physical tools of a top five fighter in the lightweight division. You know, he could be a title contender if he could calm down and
2: fight hard for more than five minutes. Man, you know what? He reminds me of Melvin Gallard. Yeah, yeah. All the tools, all the talent, all the physicality, um, crazy finishes, but just sometimes overdoes it and gets himself into some really bad positions with that aggression. Um, yeah. Melvin had a lot of mental things going on yeah. outside of the cage that added to his demise, and I don't know the case for McKinney, but he seems to be in a better place at least. Oh,
1: yeah, he's in a better place than that, but it, he's he's got a pure bully mentality. When he's winning, he is king of the world. The moment he hits that wall, he gets a little pushback and somebody else starts winning, everything flies apart. just honestly
2: this is this that's the exact reason in my opinion why hakeem de fights the way he does Mm -hmm. he wants to avoid that because yeah to to get those explosive highlights you have to also put yourself in these positions where you could equally get knocked the fuck out yeah and mckinney is that he's either winning spectacular spec in a spectacular fashion or losing in the craziest goofiest way ever yep there's no middle so. ground
1: but this was a fight where you're just like what breeden doesn't have any of the you know he's not nazim sadikov he's not Gabriel, or you know uh bonfim he doesn't have a great technical base he's not drew dober he doesn't have you know one hit power he doesn't have the speed and the athleticism of these people that can wait mckinney out and catch him on the downside but so you're just looking at it. And it's just like, he's just going to get, you know, McKinney, he starts so fast and you see you like when he comes out there, the first round, you're just like, damn, this dude is fast. Mm-hmm. Like who could be ready? Who is Mike Breeden going to be training with? That's going to get him ready for that. You know,
2: it's like, you have to, you have to shark your shark tank yourself with new guys every 30 seconds. Yeah. That's it. There's, yeah. there's no other way. That's such a, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, now, you know, the, the only question is, like, what you, what do you do with,
2: my, you're with Chance McKinney You then? put what? him on the Boston card next week. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, I mean, give the man but, what he wants.
1: I know, I know. He wants to be fighting again in a month. And, like, there are a ton of fights. It's, you know, it, it's still too bad that, like, Patty Pimblett is still hurt and, like, recovering from
2: yeah, right, an like injury. He, yeah, like, he would ever take that fight. He would he never
1: take it. that fight. But, like... I'd love to see him take on somebody like, uh, you know, Mike Davis Oof. or Ludovic Klein, who just fought. You know, there are a lot of fights in that lightweight division. Just throw him in against somebody who's a fun action fighter. Heck. Uh, what weight class is Nate Landwehr fight at? He's he's featherweight. Damn it. So. I know. Damn. I knew. Arr. But, uh, hey, Chase Hooper's out there.
2: He's a lightweight. Oh, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I would feel concerned for Chase Hooper, honestly. I would feel very concerned for Chase Hooper, <laughs> but
1: Hooper is a dude who, if you don't knock him out, if you don't put him away, he fights really hard. So,
2: yeah,
1: I know, I know. I would still, I would feel like I was at. Well, walking him to the to gallows on that one
2: he would have to like do another one of those weird catch you beh- with your own arm behind your back yeah yeah kind of submissions i
1: mean mckinney is the kind of dude who will put him he will be that guy yeah you know yeah that's what makes him a thrill to watch it's it's very you know it, it's very old school mma energy where you had like we had a lot more fighters back in the day who would just go out there and throw everything, put everything out there in the first couple of minutes and then just be in total meltdown ro- mode
2: after that, you know. Oh, yeah, that especially the steroid era. Yeah. I mean, like the true one. Oh, yeah, like yeah. 2001.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, that brings us to a featherweight bout. Isaac Dulgarian, Francis Marshall. I picked Marshall going into this because, and this was specific, I said, Delgarian, this is a show-me fight for Isaac Delgarian. I like what I see out of him. I like his top game. I like his wrestling game. I like his power and his athleticism. He's he's fought five fights, never been out of round one. This is a show-me fight. Marshall's a tough kid. Seeing him in hard scraps, know he can scramble, know he can hang with people. What happens to Delgarian if he gets put, you know, past five minutes? Who knows? Even he doesn't know. We still don't know. But I do know that Isaac Delgarian is a very, very good prospect. And that dude, like, push him up that division, put him in the hard fights, see what happens to him, you know? I want to I wanna see this kid, like, I think match him up with David Onama, Somebody like that. Oh
2: wow. Already. Yeah. Wow. Like
1: throw him in there. Get him in deep water. Cause dude is legit. Like that kind of top game and top pressure combined with right. that kind of precise ground and pound. It is so refreshing to hear a fighter talk about they practice their ground and pound and you see it and you're like, Yeah, this dude works on this. This is a specific skill he's honing. Sure. It's not just, you know, uh, uh, what's the dude uh, who's not Billy Corintillo that I often get? <laughs> what I know, I know that's a terrible way to think of it,
2: but uh, oh no! I, I always get Jimmy Cruz, Bill and Dawson mixed up.
1: Bill Algio, who's like, oh, it's I don't train my ground it's just striking on the ground. Like I train to strike, I do the strikes on the ground. That's fine. And it's like. No, 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 no! Come on, this is like the one thing MMA has that is unique to MMA, right? <laughs> you know, you think Anderson Silva and Fedor were like, no, I just don't work on it. Like, no, they build huge games specifically around how you control and hit somebody on the ground. To oh, you know,
2: very much so. Hell, yeah. in my fight, I use I use actual tactics to finish the trap, the wrist, elbow, yeah. over the top there's an art form to to the yeah. like, go look at Khabib. You, yeah. Like just go look at Khabib. <laughs> um, but to, to your initial point about a show me fight. Yeah. This was like his first real fight. Yeah. It was in the UFC and flying colors. Flying yeah. Colors. Right, I'm and just saying what I love the most is that he went for that finish. Mm-hmm. He went for, he cooked his opponent and and got him out of there. Didn't have to go to the second round. Ton but of upside, major prospect.
1: And it's just how strong he looks on top. Like, you know, you're watching, you're like, Francis Marshall, he is, he's not doing the wrong things. You know, he's staying controlled. He's staying tight. He's pushing on the hips. He's trying to get clear of this. He's, he's doing what he can to get. This is really top tier controlled top, you know, a top game that is just like, he's got, he's stuck. And, The longer he has him stuck, like, Dulgarian's, just, he's built a game where he's going to get you stuck and then he was going to start finding the strikes and he's going to use the strikes to keep you controlled and to set up more strikes so that his ground and pound builds and you get to a point where, like, the ref has to step in and wave it off because the longer you're there, he's just going to be doing more and more damage. It is just a really pretty top game.
2: He exploded Francis's cauliflower ear too. Mm-hmm. Oh, ah yeah.
1: noise is gross. I, I I'm I'm excited about this kid. I'm hyped, you know?
2: Oh yeah. He's one of the top prospects at 135. Yeah. That nobody knows about.
1: Yeah. Dude just flew in under the radar. Looks great. I love to see it. All right. That brings us to a heavyweight fight. Martin Boudet, Josh Parisian. And Bude saving us all from the tedium that would have been three rounds of this fight with that, that strongman sub. Get Gotta those, love it. You get those, You only see those submissions at heavyweight where it's like, man, you're not like, this position isn't that great. Yeah, you've got the other arm. But you're not like, we've seen people get that camera where they have to like turn the person's arm inside out, the shoulder inside out to get that heavyweight. It's just like, okay, I kind of got it. I'm going to pull your arm off now.
2: Yeah, you it's know. much It's much easier to keep your arm tight to your body the lighter the person yeah. is that's pulling on it. A hundred percent. Heavy yeah. weight though. Hell, Francis nagano hit that standing one
1: yeah yeah Yeah. it's just when somebody's big enough and strong enough you, you 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 don't want to sacrifice your arm that way yeah
2: two heavyweight arms on one heavyweight arm is much more meaningful than two lightweight arms on one lightweight arm yeah it's just the way it is
1: it is so physiology Congrats to Bude, and he he looks like the fighter he should be. He looks big and durable, and he's using that to be dangerous, and I love to see it. Like He's got enough well-trained technique. It's not like he's some clinician out there, but at heavyweight, if you can just be big and durable, and you have things that you're working on that you know how to do, mm-hmm. that's you know, that's good. And,
2: and have enough things in enough areas. Yeah. I think that was the big thing for Budai here. He was, he was, you know, flowing into out of the, the striking into the clinching into the clinch yeah. knees. Those knees were nasty. Yeah. He was doing excellent work um, wrestling in the clinch, using his head to just keep and mm-hmm. uncomfortable and not being able to look where he needed to look. It was a smart, a very intelligent performance. High fi I'll say. Yeah.
1: You look at somebody like, uh, Oh, why is my brain just dying right now on me? Uh, Sergey Spivak up there, like right, rank number seven. I look at somebody like Buda, I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to be a top 10 heavyweight, you know? He, he, can, he can make that journey if he just, if he can be big and durable and fight like that. And I'm not saying he's going to be a title contender someday, but it doesn't take that much more than what he's got to be at the top you know, the top 10 in that division.
2: Yeah, like a Shamil Abdurahimov. Yeah, or even, you know. in been a mainstay forever. Or Marshine Tabora,
1: you know. Yeah. Like. So. Solid, real solid performance from him. All right, that brings us to Jacqueline Amarim against Montserrat Ruiz. And, uh yeah, kind of as expected, like, Ruiz is this one weird trick that grapplers hate style of grappling does not work against somebody who's a legit high level competition grappler.
2: Yeah. It's like a one trick pony. The absolute essence of a one trick pony. Uh, I love this fight though. This is so much fun for me as like a jujitsu nerd. Just the grappling and, how about we have to shout out that the phase shifting here, best best mm-hmm. shifting of phases of the night right here. Amaree, she hits a fucking head kick to guard pull to sweep to back take to ass beat. Uh, it was just a gorgeous sequence. Just it gorgeous. Is. Who kicks someone in the head and then immediately pulls guard? Never. Jacqueline
1: Amaree. She I, I, really she needs to stop doing that. Like Sam Hughes <laughs> beat her doing that for her pulling guard so much yeah, yeah 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 it's gotta get it's gotta get out of her game eventually but against people she can just like absolutely work on the ground it's really fun
2: yeah that pendulum suite was so awesome. oh yeah that was so awesome man ruiz had absolutely nothing here
1: no it's ruiz is i love her style i mean she is really literally somebody gender swapped and shrunk Alexia Leinick. and no no no
2: wait a minute now the boa constrictor was not a one trick pony he had he was a
1: 1.5 trick
2: pony okay he had a a couple She, she,
1: she has yet to show the Ezekiel choke but she has mastered that scarf hold arm lock and it's fun like I love it I love somebody who has a unique this is the one thing I do and you either know how to handle it or you don't I love those kinds of fighters. They're so much fun to watch. But it isn't get, like they're – she. she's not going to win a lot in the UFC that way.
2: She'll you know? have her opportunities because yeah. for whatever reason, you know, the women's division and that head and arm throw is is pretty common. Like yeah, it's, much, it, it's,
1: it's, it's a weight and leverage thing. It, it, that division, it works different,
2: you know. Whatever. It's sure. it's just it's it exists for whatever reason. It's there she, and she, she has... will
1: have her opportunities. She has really perfected it. And but you, you know, the moment she faced a good striker in Amanda Lamosh, Lamosh just absolutely crushed her. The moment she faced a good grappler in Amory, Amarim. Amarim
2: Well, we should all, I mean, Ruiz, let's also, you know, credit her submission defense because... Oh, yeah, no, her submission defense was fantastic. Getting out of that arm bar was just, that was a Houdini move. She was dead to rights, but managed to get her elbow out. And she
1: was caught in like three or four submissions in there that she always made the exact right move. That woman has, she has learned to defend submissions. She's, She's not a walkover as a grappler. She's just... Her offensive grappling game vanishes once you can, you can out-position her.
2: Right. And her you special know. move often puts her in bad position if yeah. she doesn't get yeah. it. Right? Exactly. She gets her back taken. It
1: right. is absolutely an all-or-nothing style.
2: I get it. It's like my yeah. baseball bat choke.
1: <laughs> all right. That brings us to a Bantamweight bout. DeMond Blackshear, Jose Johnson, and... Man. <laughs> this was beautiful. I I Connor and I were talking up year going into this. He's a fighter that I was I wasn't that impressed by and then I watched I, I really liked his scrambling when he got to the UFC. And I was like, "Oh, I wish this guy did more than scramble because he's a really fun scrambler." And then he had that fight with uh I don't know his last fight he won. I I'm not even going to look it up, but with the
2: uh, with the Luan
1: Luan yeah, Luan Lacerda, and I was like, "Hey, man, he actually stepped his game up. There's some striking there. You even throw a layer of striking on top of Demond Blackshear's striking, his scrambling game, his rest, and his his offensive wrestling. That's a fun fighter. So I was really like, you know, I'm expecting good things out of him in this fight. And he got Johnson, who is just not athletic enough to fight at this level, really. And he made him look it, and it was super fun. Like, he Black put him Sheer's, in a
2: fucking twister. He put
1: him in a fucking twister. It's it. Black Shears game, he is such a fun scrambler. I love it. I love to see it, and I love what he could do with it. So, and this I was love, awesome.
2: I, man, it was so just beautiful how he set it up because he already yeah. had his hooks in properly and he needed to clear the arm, but. Oh, fucking Johnson was like, "Oh, he's right here. I'm gonna elbow him." Yeah. That that gave him all the space he needed to clear the arm and start cranking. I just, on the
1: I want to know. Like, I want to sit down with Damon Blackshear and have him talk me through what it is that he saw on film, where he's like at the gate, he's like, "Oh yeah, I was watching film," and I was like, "I can twister the shit out of this dude." <laughs> and like, how? What are you seeing to set set that up? I want to know like I want to know what it is that you saw where what does this guy leave out there when you saw him in other fights grappling where you're like oh yeah no that's a twister right there
2: well it makes me think about Demond's training partners and I feel yeah. bad for him because obviously yeah. he hits this a lot in training to the point where he's calling it yeah that's nuts that I don't know if you've ever been in a twister dude that, no no lowe's, that's one of the most painful things ever any kind of courage you have just leaves your body like you are yeah. you feel submissive in the true <laughs> sense of the word <laughs> like it is but that's I one even, of th- one of 3 and you yeah. history i was
1: running the uh ufc our, our live chat over on substack and somebody there was like one of the worst decisions i ever made was having somebody in the gym like show me what it would be like to be in a twister like oh i'll just try it. i want to try it out I was like, like that was terrible. Never again.
2: Oh yeah, that's like that's one of those when the instructor is showing it, you know what I mean? And and yeah. one of your buddies is the Uki. He's demonstrating it on, and the professor's like, "Anyone got any questions?" And you're like, "Can I see it again one more time?" <laughs> they're like, "Motherfucker, it's brutal, man. It is brutal." Yeah, no thanks. So
1: that's awesome though. I love I love Blackshear's game. I hope he keeps improving. Coolest, because.
2: coolest moment of the night. I'll I'll yeah. say that, at least for me.
1: Yeah. Give the guy a bonus. Give Dolgarian a bonus so he can move out of that RV he's living
2: yeah. in. Well, I don't know. The RV might be working for him. You know, That's true. you, you, you do that getting, thing. Well, you start getting into the silk sheet territory. You know what I mean?
1: It's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep him hungry. You got that Dana White
2: attitude. Yeah, keep him humble. That's right. Well, at least Dana sure. put up Pfeiffer. Right, Joe Pi, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. He, he put him up in a low place. Maybe they could room or roomies. Yeah, there you
1: go. <laughs> get him get him in that tough house for the rest of the year because nobody needs to see any more
2: tough. Is that still going on?
1: I uh, yeah, we haven't had the season finale yet. We're I think we've got one more episode left.
2: Yeah, Nobody's... I I, uh, I intentionally miss it and stay in the no. Because... Yeah, no, it
1: was it was. There was a brief thought that maybe Conor McGregor can make this interesting, but he cares about it so little that it is impossible to, it has made, been made less interesting by him being on it because he clearly does not care even a tiny little bit about being on it.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Contender Series is the new, Oh yeah, has yeah, yeah. clearly taken its place as yeah a serious way to get into the house or get into the UFC.
1: Yep. All right. That brings us finally to our final prelim, Luana Santos, Juliana Miller, and uh, yeah, Juliana Miller going to enter that rarefied air of tough winners who never win another fight on, on, in the UFC after winning their winning tough.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Santos is just so much better. So much. She's just so I mean, much more put together.
1: Well, and the thing is that Santos is like a pure judoka who could barely strike. And she went out there with Miller and threw down, which is the exact fight Miller wants to have, is a throw down war. And Miller lost it. Like Miller got, she got none of the judo. She got none of the submission stuff. She had to deal with none of the things that Santos is good at.
2: Well, except and- for the, the takedown defense. Yeah. That's what she sure. had to deal with. That, That's was, true. that was the real thing. Because Miller came out aggressive, spamming her hands, right? Yep. But she's not technical on the feet. She's not technical you, anywhere. She's got subs. She's got some she's, subs. She can do some crafty shit on She the can draft. anger
1: her way into submitting somebody. But it's like, it's a rage submission game.
2: But she, she can, if anywhere, if you're going to credit her yeah, yeah, okay. in her fighting, it's going to be in her grappling. But she had to get the fight down to the ground. She had to make it ugly on the feet, get inside and get the fight down in whatever way she could. It it couldn't have been conventional takedowns that wasn't going to work here. And she wasn't able to do it. Like, But I mean, that's what Luana Santos's
1: game was on the regionals too. You watch her fight anywhere else and she was just running arms out into taking people down. Like, this is not a woman that could strike. So for Miller to lose with the hands to that kind of fighter like you know
2: I I think I would rather take um so she's Miller's just isn't composed. She's just not good. Yeah, the polish and, is not there. It's just And good. I
1: worry badly for her too being at Sujitsu over in Spokane because that is not a that is not a camp that makes people better. No. It's just not and uh it sounds like she maybe made some camp changes so maybe that'll pay off for her long term but it feels like every six jitsu fighter i've ever seen even when they go other places and train other places like juliana pena is not training full-time at six jitsu michael chiesa is not training full-time at six jitsu these people have all spent time in other camps they still seem like the exact fighter they were a decade ago it's like they just didn't that that can't install some hardware on people at the day one when they walk in. It's like you're gonna be this person forever. Whatever you showed up in the gym with on the first day, that's you now.
2: So yeah, it's weird. It's it like is. they they put a they put a lock on the edit button. Yeah. <laughs> so, but
1: Santos. You know, I'm glad to see the confidence with her in her hands cuz that is not something she ever had before. So for her to go out there and be like screw it, let's throw down,
2: let's see what happens. That's what she needs to, you know, like that no, that's this good was to see. this was the time to do that. If yep. you're not going to get an easier fight on the feet in yep. the UFC. It's
1: not so gonna it's, happen. It's good for her to start showing that confidence, show that she can get clipped a few times and come back and be like no, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start throwing punches and let's
2: see what you you're ready for she's just so much more composed than miller yeah yeah miller it's a mess it's a mess it is it's a messy, mess. it is messy. Yeah. all right
1: well that pretty much wraps things i mean we could get into more of it but i don't i don't see what there's left to talk about we're gonna jump over yeah. though and we'll have some bonus content for those of you on our sub stack
0: To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-A-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview shows, the Sixth Round Post-Fight show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.